your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Snap back to Adrian. Fakes a handoff. Keeps himself. Adrian goes. 30, 25, 20, 15. Cuts back at the 10, 5. Touchdown, Nebraska. Adrian Martinez from 41 yards out. Huskers within a PAT of tie in this game. All right, let's go. Sports Nightly is presented by the NDOT Highway Safety Office, who reminds you to buckle up and put the phone down. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Ben McLaughlin and Austin Orman. I'm happy we won. I'm really happy for the kids. I challenged them before the game to go out and just have fun playing football uh, with each other, not putting pressure on themselves, but just go out and play hard. Overall, uh, anytime we win a football game, especially in the Big Ten on the road, it's a good thing. And Sikowski now prepares to take the shotgun snap with trips to the far side. Back to throw is Sikowski. Gets hit and dropped. There's a sack for you. Bill Darius Payne gets a sack. Martinez now moves Wandale in motion. Wandale's been quiet early in this game. Now he lines up in the backfield with Adrian. Turn. They give it off to Mills. He blasts to the 40. 35. Mills to the 30. 25. 20. 15. 10. 5. And gets knocked down inside the 5 at about the 2-yard line. What a burst by Dedrick Mills. That time up the middle. And the Oscars have it first and goal. Man, what a, what a warrior that kid is uh, he's been battling through some injuries hasn't had as many yards and opportunities as we would have liked to given him uh, but boy he runs hard and, and uh, he was a beast tonight shotgun look mills to the left snap back give it off to Diedrich or sprinting around the left side of the 20 comes to the outside 25 he's to the 30 35 yard line 40 to the midfield to the 45 40 bumped out of bounds and around the 37 yard line of Rutgers Diedrich Mills is going to work tonight here in Piscataway he's over 150 yards now in the game um, it was really just coming down to making a commitment to really doing it. We had known going into the week, Coach Frost said that that's what they really wanted to do is be able to go in and just run the football. Um, and so that was one thing that we were able to do, and it was nice for us to be able to do that. Fourth and goal for the one. Martinez gets the snap, runs option, pitches it back to Wandale Robinson. Touchdown, Nebraska! Wandale Robinson's first touchdown of 2020, and the Oscars have tied it up here in Piscataway. We just came in here at halftime, you know, just talked to the team as a whole. And just ask them, you know, you know, what's your why? You know, why are we here, you know? Um, just, you know, play for the seniors, man. You know, they did so much for us, and, you know, we, we had to go out there and put on for them. And everybody just had to play together as a team. Snap back to Adrian. Fakes a handoff, keeps it himself. Adrian goes 30, 25, 20, 15. Cuts back at the 10, 5. Touchdown, Nebraska. Adrian Martinez from 41 yards out. Huskers within a PAT of tie in this game. All right, let's go. Adrian's going to go under center. Gets the snap. Leans, dies up, gets shoved from behind. He's in. Touchdown, Nebraska. The Huskers have the lead here in the fourth quarter. You strive for perfection, but you you, know, you, all, you don't always get there. But I, I'm proud for our defense. I'm proud for our team. We're finally showing what we're made of and what we do. So I'm really happy. It's a team game. Keep each other in it. You feed off each other. You get momentum together. I mean, it's, it was a good good win, good uh, good team win. It was a good time. Third and five coming up. Langa gets the shotgun snap. Looking right, looking left, being pressured. Rolling out, throws the football down the field. Has a man out there, but it is inter- is it intercepted? Yes. Yes, Cam Taylor-Britt with a pick at the nine-yard line. Cam Taylor-Britt went high in the air to pull that down at the nine. That's the first turnover of the night on Rutgers. Adrian gets the snap, going to run left, and he has the first down. and gets to the 40-yard line, diving forward. Huskers now can run the clock out here in Rutgers and get him a road win. This has been a long, hard year for a lot of people. Some of our guys haven't seen their families since March or April. It's been a long haul. We've been grinding for a long time. I lost dad this year. 
I really expected us to turn a big corner this year. I thought we had the team to do that and still do. Uh, I'm really excited about the future, but I'm more not to. The words and sounds of Nebraska's 28-21 victory over the Rutgers Scarlet Knights on Friday night in Piscataway. Huskers finish the 2020 season with a victory over the Rutgers Scarlet Knights and improve their record to 3-5 and five on the year. And news that came out uh, the weekend to follow that Nebraska would not be uh, entered into a bowl game and thus ending the 2020 season, but doing so on a positive note. Ben McLaughlin with you, joined by Austin Orman on Sports Nightly here on a Monday night. Appreciate everybody for dialing us up after your weekend. Hopefully your weekend was a good one following the Husker victory. We've got a lot to get to over the next three hours, of course, welcoming in your calls and texts tonight. Uh, people, callers and guests, join us in our Woodhouse Auto Family hotline, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. Uh, coming up here in just a little bit, we will talk to Michael Brunts of 24-7 Sports. We'll talk a little bit of everything with, uh, with Michael. We'll talk about this 2020 season. We'll talk a little recruiting, and we'll also hit on some Husker hoops as Fred Hoiberg's bunch will open conference play tomorrow with the Wisconsin Badgers. Uh, coming up in hour two of the show, Mondays with Matt. Matt Davis and our color, color analyst will stop by, give us his thoughts on uh, the finality of the 2020 season. Adam Rittenberg from ESPN will stop by in the middle of hour two. We'll talk about the college football playoff, who got hosed, who got lucky, who got the benefit of the name recognition. We'll dive into all of that with the college football playoff announced and all of the bowl, the bowl games as well uh, underway here today. Uh, we'll look back at our weekend rewind and we'll listen into Nebraska head basketball coach Fred Hoiberg as he had a press conference earlier today. So we've had uh, a lot to get to over the next three hours. Again, invite you to join us at 531 546 86 uh, Austin let's just start first with uh, reaction to the game itself and uh, we'll dive in we'll have plenty of time to talk about the uh, the decision to not play of course if people want to talk about that feel free to call us and call in and give us your take on that but um, as far as the game goes this was an interesting game to say the least I feel like we could say that about every game that Nebraska had played in 2020 um, I think this kind of encompassed everything that uh, um, the season had to offer just in this one game. Uh, missed opportunities, fumbles, penalties, um, turnovers, big plays, a uh, little bit of everything on Friday. But I, I guess the biggest thing is Nebraska really dominated that second half. And I guess my biggest takeaway is how well Nebraska ran the football uh, considering three offensive linemen were freshmen, first time ever in program history uh, that that was the case. But uh, when you watched that game and had some time to kind of digest it, well, what are you left thinking about with that matchup with Rutgers? I'm left thinking about, like what you said, how it's a perfect encapsulation of this whole season. You got the great Adrian Martinez's 41-yard touchdown run, the 14-yard strike to Wandale Robinson. Really good defense, great on third down again. Some bad, that bust on 
the very first offensive play of the game for Rutgers, a 50-yard bomb, and then the touchdown run on fourth down, and the ugly, more more turnovers, four of them, in fact. And I, I went back, we had a text during Big Red Reaction that asked, you know, just how often do teams that turn the ball over four times and allow kickoff return win. It's happened 128 times now, and Nebraska's won twice, which isn't isn't normal necessarily. Of the 128 times, I think there's only about 15 or 16 wins in there. In Nebraska's two of them, the other one was back wow. against Western Illinois would have come in the 2004 season. So Nebraska had a lot to overcome, and I think that's another takeaway is that they overcame it. A couple penalties didn't matter. Turnovers didn't matter. They dug in, they kept fighting to the end, and they really established the run in the second half. That's the best we've seen Diedrich Mills look, at least this year, probably in his time in Lincoln. Adrian Martinez, extremely accurate again. A couple he'd like back, obviously, but a lot of positive signs. And like you said, we'll get into the bowl discussion. That's why I wanted to see Nebraska play another game. Can we build on it? Can they build on it? Can they do it consistently, not let it be a flash in the pan? But that's another discussion that the team had to have. I I put a tweet out after the – or I think it was during the fourth quarter that I really wanted Diedrich Mills to score a touchdown. I, I mean, this, this man just – we heard all off season the word bell cow from Ryan Held, from Coach Frost, of of what type of role Diedrich Mills was going to have. Unfortunately, he just never was quite healthy in the middle part of the year, and never could quite get into a rhythm in the early part of the year. And unfortunately, I think you know the running back room, the running back production suffered because of it. Finished with twenty five carries, hundred ninety one yards and had 45 yards receiving so well over 200 total yards for Diedrich against Rutgers and I I wanted so badly for him to get in the end zone on Friday unfortunately just didn't happen but everything that he has been through and uh, it doesn't seem likely that he is back I had a couple people tweet at me um, Friday and and throughout the weekend the chances that Diedrich comes back I, I think that's a pretty small percentage I think the overwhelming majority of these seniors don't come back I could I could probably speculate on a couple based on, you know, just my talks with them and their personalities of, of who may come back, but uh, we'll have plenty of time to speculate on that. Um, but I think for right now, you know, hats off to the seniors for great careers, guys that I'm really going to miss watch play Diedrich Mills being one of them. And, and, and the other guy that I just can't, I can't quite get over the fact that he's done here, Austin, is Jojo Doman. I mean, we, we heard about his just playmaking ability when he first came to campus and another guy that battled a lot of injuries in his time, but it kind of culminated with a fantastic senior season. There's a role for him at the next level, kind of that hybrid nickel nickelback type player. And I don't know that he's big enough to make the same transition that Nate Gary did coming from safety to linebacker in Philly. I, don't, I think that's kind of a far cry, but... He was maybe the X factor of Nebraska's defense all season long, and Eric Shenander is really going to miss him. And it's not a, a discredit to anybody else on the defensive side of the ball, but I do think, you know, next year and the year after, we're going, man, do we miss JoJo Dolman? Do we miss that guy that can cover a tight end? He can fly down the line of scrimmage and make a TFL. He can knock a pass away. I mean, he did literally everything this defense asked him to do. I'm really going to miss him wearing red on Saturdays. 
Absolutely. He, he does a lot you just can't teach. The instincts to go after the ball, to get off a block at the right time, to take the right angle to the ball carrier. JoJo had a heck of a year. 58 tackles, six and a half of them for loss, five passes defended, two forced fumbles as well. He was a playmaker that this defense looked for. Like you said, made that transition from defensive back, played a lot of outside linebacker in his career at Nebraska, and then that more hybrid role. That's totally in vogue in the NFL right now. JoJo has the speed to go vertical and horizontal across the football field, keep up with the tight ends, some running backs. You've even seen him matched up on receivers at times. So with his attitude, the way he works, infectious personality, there's definitely going to be a spot for him. And you're right, the defense has to find someone, anyone that can step up to replace him next year. The one guy right now that I'm looking at that that might might be the one to fill those shoes, maybe not as soon as he's putting the pads back on from injury, but you know, once he can kind of settle in a little bit is Javen Wright, who's kind of made the transition down from the secondary to that outside backer spot. And I know the coaches really like his athleticism. So once he is healthy, I look to him kind of fill that that role and uh, and be that JoJo Doman type player that Nebraska so desperately needs. Happy to welcome on to our Woodhouse Auto Family Hotline for the first guest of the night, Mr. Michael Brunts of 24-7 Sports. Brunts, you've been a while, man. Hopefully things are going well with you. Been a crazy 2020 for everybody, Nebraska football included, I guess. Uh, what's what's the feeling now that this thing is wrapped up with signing day last week? Really busy week last week. Yeah, not bad. It's, uh, it, it's funny. I mean, you basically went what, like four or five months in the summer with nothing. Um, yeah. And then it kind of gets uh, all bunched up at the end. I mean, heck, you even have, you know, conference conference basketball season starting and baseball's not too far away. So uh, I, I, I will uh, – I, I don't think I'll ever uh, not appreciate having sports around. So being busy is not a – it's a good problem to have. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, let's just start with your thoughts on uh, the season ending. I guess uh, there was potential that we would be talking about a matchup with a with a bull team, a, a different opponent, but Nebraska declining to to participate, as are a lot of schools. I, I guess were you surprised at all by by Nebraska's decision? Yeah, I mean, I, I think kind of going into that Rutgers game, uh, if you would have asked me, I would have said that I, I felt like Nebraska would have probably played. Uh, a game if, if they had the opportunity. Um, and, and I don't know about you, Ben, but, you know, in kind of being in, in the post-game Zoom sessions and, and kind of seeing how players reacted when they were asked about a potential bowl game, I mean, I, I think that was the first time that you kind of saw just kind of the the, the weight and, the, and kind of the, the toll that the way that this year has gone has kind of taken on uh, not only the players, but, you know, you, you kind of tell Scott Frost, I think, was a little gassed, too. I mean, he, he's had a, a really mm-hmm. tough year with everything, kind of having to, to keep everybody on, on the straight and narrow with COVID stuff, lost his father uh, this year as well. And, and you know, for a lot of these players, you know, they, they hadn't seen uh, their families or been home um, since March. So, you know, after kind of seeing that, I thought, well, you know, may, maybe, you know, maybe they, they'll still play. But that was the first time I thought that that might kind of be it for the season. So, you know, I, I can kind of see both both sides of it. That's probably not the the best way to, to talk about something if you're looking for a hot take. But you know, I, I could see where maybe you'd want to play one more game to to kind of you know continue the momentum and, and see what you could do going into the postseason. But at the same time, I mean, the the, the reality is this has been a really long year for these guys. And, and I get that part of it too. So, uh, you know, no, no more uh, Nebraska football for a few months until 
Um, the, the spring ball starts up, but you know I, I think everybody's kind of ready to just be done with with the year. At least uh, a lot of the guys are. Yeah, that's a fair point. And Michael, I guess when you there's going to be a lot of reflecting, I think, done by everybody the the players, the coaches, the fans, and even even us who cover the team um, of what we saw in 2020. I guess when you sit back and kind of assess everything that you watched uh, over the course of these eight games, what surprised you the most? I guess for the good or the bad, um, with with year three under Scott Frost, with this team in particular. Yeah, I mean, I think I was still, you know, a little surprised at, at how difficult it was uh, on offense at times uh, for this team. I mean, I, I think, you know, by year three, you would have hoped that it would uh, be a little bit smoother in that aspect mm-hmm. of things. Um, you know, I think coming into the year, um, for for me at least, my probably the biggest question mark for, for the team and kind of how this roster uh, was going to play out and, and things would go would be how, how would this front seven kind of play this year? I mean, you're replacing three guys who are along your defensive line that are in the NFL now. And, and I really thought, you know, the front seven on defense, I think was probably the, the nice surprise for this group this year. I think they played really well for the most part. Uh, there were a few blips there, but, um, you know, you've got a lot of young guys there that you kind of build around. I think the, the some guys that, that needed the experience got the experience. Thinking the guys like Ty Robinson, I think Luke Reimer's a you know a potential multi-year starter for Nebraska going forward. The linebacker spot, I think Nick Henrik played as well as anybody down the stretch um, for this group. Garrett Nelson as well. So that that side of the ball, I, I think I was I was pretty surprised with, with how the front seven played. Uh, you know, big question mark, and you know we'll probably have you know months to go over this stuff. But you know, Nebraska's got to get better on special teams if they're going to continue to play these tight yeah. games. Uh, you know, I think offensively you've got to look at kind of what you're doing and, and personnel there as well. So there's there's going to be a lot to kind of sift through uh, if you're Scott Frost and his coaching staff. Uh, but you know, I, I, I do think that, that there's some areas that you can point to as having taken a step forward and. Uh, what was definitely an odd year for everybody. Yeah, I kind of wanted to dive into that a little bit more, speaking to what um, you were talking about. I get asked this all the time, whether radio shows or, or, or you know, friends, just about Nebraska's offense and, and specifically the skill positions. And I don't really have a, a good answer when it comes to that. You would think that, you know, an offense like this, wide receiver and running back would be the easiest spots to recruit to. Uh, with how many opportunities they would get. But it seems like Nebraska's having a hard time, Michael, finding the recipe at those spots, specifically at wide receiver. I think we've seen, you know, when Dedrick Mills is healthy, that, you know, he he's he's capable back there. But that, that wasn't for but a small percentage of the season. Why is it that you think that Nebraska has just struggled getting dynamic playmakers out there on the field? Really the best we've seen under Coach Frost with the guys that he had with Stanley and Devine. Yeah, you know, the, the wide receiver spot's an interesting one. I mean, you, you go back to even before, you know, Scott Frost and his staff were here. I mean, that's been a position that, you know, that they've they've struggled to recruit. They've struggled to, to keep guys on campus. Um, you know, you, you go back a few recruiting classes, and there's just been, you know, giant holes in, mm-hmm. um, you know, guys that, that, you know, were either here a short amount of time, guys that never made it. Uh, guys that for whatever reason uh, transferred out. I mean, I think it's kind of tough to, to build continuity at that spot uh, when guys aren't even on campus. Um, so, you know, I, I, I like the guys that they've they've signed in this most recent class. They're you know, big-bodied wide receivers and guys that 
I think can make uh, an impact early in their careers, Kamonte Grimes being the, the one I'm probably most intrigued by in this 2021 group. But, you know, that, that's something that, uh, you know, Nebraska needs to get figured out. I mean, they, you've had guys that are in the program that have obviously had a lot of uh, kind of hype and, and, you know, certainly been productive at other levels too. I'm thinking, you know, a guy like Omar Manning that, uh, just didn't work out this year for him. Um, you know, that that's a big uh, piece that they were hoping to count on, but they weren't able to do so. So, um, you know, the kind of just getting guys in and, and bringing them along. I mean, I think Xavier Betts is a good example of a guy that, you know, wasn't really contributing a ton at the start of the season, but I, I think the future's bright for him. Uh, you know, another guy that probably gets lost in the mix a little bit too is Will Nixon, who uh, hurt his knee uh, in the summer and, and wasn't part of things for him this year. So, they got to find a way to hit on more of those guys. Um, you got to find a way to get a little bit, uh, a little bit more production in the deep passing game. So that's, I mean, that's a, a group of, uh, you know, importance in the spring. And, and you got a running back too. I mean, depending on what Dedrick Mills decides to do, you don't have a ton of returning production there. So it's going to be a really important spring um, for, for development. Uh, at the skill position spots. And, and both of those positions, I think, too, are, are areas that were maybe hurt a little bit by not having kind of the traditional offseason where you had, you know, would have had 15 spring practices, uh, work in the summer and that kind of stuff. So uh, that, that, that's going to be towards the top of the priority list, I think, for the staff in the offseason is getting both of those positions up to speed. Yeah, well, yeah, good point. Michael Bruns, 24-7 Sports. Michael, you and your team uh, over there at 24-7 put a lot of time and, and energy into recruiting, and, and this year was was really interesting. Not obviously with Nebraska's class with the five in-state signees, but you had one going to Iowa and, and a couple of others go to, to high-profile schools. What's what's just been your take on, on the level of talent that's that's come out of Nebraska? You mentioned a couple of guys in Henrich and, and Garrett Nelson and, and Reimer and some of these other guys, that Xavier Betts, that have come through the state that, um, you know, Coach Frost willing to spend five in-state scholarships, not something that we've seen a ton, and I know there's probably more to follow next year. What's, what's been the take in, uh, in you and your team kind of assessing what type of talent is in the state right now and how important that is for the coaches? Yeah, no, I mean, I think, you know, any any recruiting class, you know, whether it's Nebraska or, you know, any other program, I mean, a lot of it's going to start in, in your local population base. And, you know, I, I think the staff has done a good job of, um, you know, really kind of evaluating local guys, uh, keeping an eye on, on who's around. I mean, I, I think they've also been aided a little, bit, a little bit by the fact that, you know, you have some really high-level players uh, in the state of Nebraska. You've already seen a number of early offers go out um, in the 2022 classes, uh, the 2023 classes. Uh, you know, they just offered Maverick Noonan at, uh, yeah. at Elkhorn South in the 2023 class. They've got a 2024 offer out locally and you just would have never seen that in the past and i think part of that speaks to the level of talent in the state i think the, the other part of it is too um it is you know it's not not nebraska nebraska's not the only school that's taking notice of that i mean you've had iowa come in uh, recruit the state really hard minnesota uh, has tried to do that as well and, and you're seeing a lot of these guys offered earlier in their careers so um, you know, I, I think they've done a good job uh, to this point of, of really being aggressive in state. And I think the, the, the kind of competitiveness for those guys um, has forced Nebraska to act earlier on those offers. I mean, if, if there's you know not a lot of question about whether a guy's worthy of an offer, I think they're kind of saying, okay, let's make this offer now, 
start to build that relationship and, and keep some of those guys at home. So, um, you know, I, I think the other, the, the part of it that's kind of been missing for, for Nebraska recently is just, you know, not winning enough. Um, and, and as that yeah. kind of comes along, I think you're going to be able to, to lock up your borders a little bit better. So, uh, you know, if they can kind of get it turned around, I think that will help them a lot. Some of these guys that already have, uh, you know, some pretty major offers nationally. It's not just uh, regional schools either. So but that's kind of the challenge that the staff's facing with some of that local recruiting. Absolutely. Brunsey, before we let you go, let's talk a little hoops. Uh, I guess what's your interpretation of what you've seen from Coach Hoiberg's bunch? It's been it's been interesting watching these guys, um, basically an entire new roster on the floor here in a limited non-con schedule, but getting ready to jump into conference play. What what are your thoughts on, on what you've seen and what Nebraska has to do well to compete better in the league this year? Yeah, I mean, I think you, you've seen guys that, that fit this offense a, a little bit better and a little bit better the style of play that, that Fred Hoiberg wants to play with. Um, you know, I think you know, a guy like Delano Banton has been kind of everything you'd hope he would be uh, and, and more just in terms of a, you know, a stat filler and, and a guy that you know, teams really have to account for. Uh, this is going to be an interesting group to follow, I think, as, as Big Ten play kind of gets rolling. I mean, obviously the Big Ten this year, uh, is even better than it has been in the past. So that's kind of what they're up against. But uh, with the, the NCAA rule changes, with, with Trevor Lakes becoming immediately immediately eligible, he gives you some three-point shooting from the outside. Eduardo Andre's back uh, from his health issues, and they're really going to use him, I think, early on. And you get Derek Walker as a you know yeah. a veteran veteran post back in, in early January. So you know when you kind of I guess project out project out what this team's going to look like. I mean, it's going to be a completely different rotation uh, two or three weeks from now than what they have starting Big Ten play. But, um, you know, th- this kind of stretch of games just shows you what they're up against with, uh, you know, taking on a Wisconsin team that, that just blew uh, Louisville out of the water, and then you have to turn around and come home for, for a tough Michigan team. So I, I think this team can be a lot more competitive in the conference, but, uh, you know, the the, the level of play and, and, and the quality of player in the Big Ten is just so much better this year than it has been in the past. It's going to really be, uh, you know, a, a, a battle every night for this group. So we'll see how they do, but I think they're a little bit closer to, to what Fred Hoiberg's wanting from, from his guys to be. Michael, would you rather see Brad Davison try and take a charge, or would you rather see Drew Locke try and uh, complete a red zone pass? <laughs> uh, I <laughs> I, you joke. I, I, I'm almost ready for the NFL draft. That's how, uh, how bought, I, bought in I am to the Broncos right now. I don't want them to, to do too much uh, to, to get out of the – you know, you don't want to be on the back end of the lottery. That's, that's, nobody benefits from that. So I'll take a, a Davis in charge, but that's uh, just barely. Well, you'll, you'll probably get to see six or seven of those here, here before too long, so um, you can get you can get excited for that. Bruncey, it's great to catch up with you, man. Hope you and the family are doing well, and uh, have a great week with the, with the holidays coming up, and hopefully get a little downtime now that recruiting's over for at least a little bit. Thanks a lot, buddy. Anytime, Ben. Take care, all right? As we always do on Mondays, we dive into our chat with our color analyst. Time now for the weekly breakdown. What a memorable first game at home in the Big Ten Conference. With color analyst and former national champion. All the games played for this historic program. All the great rushing days that we've seen over the years and way beyond my lifetime. And we've seen the best one here today against the top ten team. 
It's Mondays with Matt Davison on Sports Nightly. It is time for some Mondays with Matt with our good friend Matt Davison, color analyst here on the Husker Sports Network. Matt, it's been a long, strange, weird year, and now that it's kind of finally over, what, what are you feeling now that we have some resolution to what, uh, what's been so, the strangest college football season any of us has ever, ever experienced? Yeah, it's been a strange year for everybody in their in their lives, you know, uh, personally and professionally and whatever they're, they're doing. Um, I'm just really proud of our guys. I'm proud of our team for how they handled this year. Uh, they uh, they handled the pandemic as well as we could have asked them to. They worked hard the entire offseason. They didn't get a spring ball in and didn't have a bowl game a year ago. So we hadn't played much football and hadn't practiced much either. And they prepared themselves physically in the off season. And then we had the craziness with the delay in the season and then a schedule comes out and then it's canceled and then it's delayed again and and played uh, eight games this fall. So I'm just proud of them, how they handled it. Uh, we were one of only a couple of programs that didn't have any shutdowns this fall based on the positive cases because our guys were disciplined and they made the right choices away from this building to, to not get the virus. and. So I'm proud of them in that way. Um, it's tough. It's a lot, a lot of months to be, you know, in, in some sort of a quarantine or isolation where you're you're always cognizant of not wanting to to bring that that thing back to the building and spread it and and shut the program down. So our guys handled it really well. And uh, you know, the, the the record didn't end up the way we wanted it to to end. But at the same time, there were a lot of good things about this season, and I think the the team made strides in a lot of ways. Matt, I think everybody's probably curious as the decision to not participate in a bowl game. There's a lot of teams around the country that have already shut it down for the year and decided it's just it's time to focus on the offseason and give the players some time to, to react and respond and, and, and recover. Uh, I have to imagine it's a pretty difficult decision with any time you have a locker room of 100 plus, you're probably going to have people on, on both sides. How, how, how was the, the decision um, taken by the team and the coaches to, to just focus on 2021? Well, it has been a long year, as we just discussed, and I think every program around the country is in a little different situation, and every program around the country had to make a decision that was best for their program, and I think that's what we did, and that's where we ended up. You know, the guys played really well on Friday. Uh, we we go out to Rutgers, played our fifth road game of the fall in a short amount of time in cold weather, and they went out there and played really well and, and dug deep and, and really outside of about you know five or six plays really had a dominating performance and probably shouldn't have been nearly as close as it was, but they found a way to win when they were down a couple of times and, and it seemed like the end of the season was coming and they never shut it down. They kept fighting and, and got a win and, and it was just, a, it was a great locker room after the game and a great flight home. And, you know, you get home at four in the morning, but it, it's not too bad after a win. And so the, the team's in a good spot. And I think overall, it was just the best thing for our program and, and the best thing for us to do at this point. You have uh, one of the oddities of this year, too, Matt, has been the, the eligibility freeze. And I know that as a senior, you're, you're probably not thinking about that at all um, until maybe right now and, and maybe just how to handle that season. It, the senior day ceremonies and a lot of these kids probably have aspirations to move on with their life from football. What, what, what do you think goes into a decision for one of these seniors to, to come back or, or, to, or to, ha to hang it up and, and go do something else and everything that that decision entails? 
Well, a lot of guys have a big decision to make, and I think every individual decision is different, right? Um, some guys, you know, maybe want to go play in the NFL, and they think they have a great opportunity to do that. Um, some guys maybe want to refine their skills, master their skills a little bit more, and 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 come back for another season. Other guys love college football, and and maybe know this might be the last time they'll play, and they want to be a part of it again. So I think everybody's situation is a little different, and they uh, they have to all weigh those things out. I mean, this was a strange year to have it be your last year. I know as a, as a guy that, that went through what these guys have gone through for four or five years as a player here, it's a great experience. But one of the great experiences of being a Nebraska football player is the fans and being around all the people of the state of Nebraska. And we didn't get to enjoy that this year as a program and as players. They didn't get to run out in front of 90,000 people and they didn't get to you know, meet people in the community and sign autographs for little kids and do all the things that are really fun, a really fun part of being a Husker. And and so I know those guys miss that, and I'm sure many of them want to want to do that again and, and experience that. And hopefully the the pandemic gets under control and we can have fans in the stands next year and we can get back to some normalcy. And and 2021 looks much different than 2020. And so, you know, there, again, there's every situation is different. These guys have a big decision to make in their lives and, and we're going to support them either way. Uh, but man, we'd love to have them back. We have a, a great group of kids that are seniors and we'd love to have them back and, and do another run with them next fall. Yeah, I think all the fans would uh, take as many as that would want to come back uh, as possible. Matt Davis and color analyst with us here on Sports Nightly. Well, what's next, man? I mean, I, we already talked about how long of a year it's been. What 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 has Coach Frost said to the team about about what's next and what what they're allowed to do over the holidays and and really how to how to progress? I, I, I suppose without a season worth of demands. Yeah, I mean, you 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 want to recharge, right? As a staff and as a as a team, as an organization, we need to recharge a little bit and and spend some time with family and try to enjoy the holidays here. Uh, for a lot of these guys, has uh, been talked about a lot. They haven't seen their families in a long time, and and that's important. You know, mental health is a is a big part of of this whole year for everybody across the country and around the globe. And and so you know, recharge, uh, get healthy physically, and, and the team's. You know, been through eight games in a short amount of time, all in the Big Ten, it's a physical league, and then mentally get healthy too, and and come back recharged and ready to go in winter conditioning in January. It's a year-round sport; everybody knows it, and so we'll get back to work in January and and uh, work on the physical side and try to get our bodies uh, back to where they need to be for spring ball, and hopefully have a regular spring ball and and work on on the things that we need to work on. Uh, on both sides of the ball and in special teams to to fix some things and go about 2021 much more normally hopefully than than what we did this year with uh with the schedule and and the work that we can get in in the off season and then ramp things up for for next september so uh, it's an exciting time you know i think we ended the season on a, a high note i think we played our best football down the stretch um and so I think there's a lot of things to build on. I think this is a confident team. I think they know they can go out, and if they play well, they can beat about anybody. And and so that's a good motivator heading into next year. And and so, you know, I think the guys are excited to get back here. Hopefully, they take a little time off. And when they get back in January, this is a good locker room. These guys care about each other. They love being around each other. I think they're going to be ready to get back to work and become the best team that they can become. 
Matt, I know, you know, as, as important it is to recharge, coaches never really pull the plug completely. And <laughs> I know the staff's very excited about the 19 kids that they had just signed in the early signing day. I know Coach Frost was wanting to add a couple couple more. The transfer portal has just gone nuts in the last week around the country with, with kids looking for places to play. How do, you, how do you expect the coaches to handle this, this next stretch and trying to get a couple more signed with all the fluidity that's happening around the country? Well, recruiting never stops, and and so even if it's time off, it's not really time off because you're always, you know, watching film and learning about high school kids, and and the transfer portal has changed a lot of things, and keeping up with those players that are available around the country too, and trying to get the right guys in here into your program, whether they're high school kids or transfers or junior college kids or whatever they are. So, yeah, recruiting never stops, so the guys will continue to to try to get the best players we can get in here that that fit what we want to do. And yeah, I would, uh, we're really happy about the class. There was no drama on signing day, and that's a good thing. Uh, we signed a great group of walk-ons as well. And so we, we, we're excited about the guys that are, that are going to be joining us. Some of them will be here in January, and we're excited about that too. So, um, you know, we'll see. Probably add a piece or two or three. Uh, we'll see in the next few months and try to get this thing uh, ready to go for June when the entire team is here in June. All the freshmen will join then, and we'll have a full team for the summer and, and get get ready for the fall. Yeah, and as you said, hopefully things are, are uh, as close to normal as possible in 21, beginning with the workouts and, of course, spring practice right around the corner. Hopefully that goes without a hitch as well. It was a weird year. I mean, doing the sideline reporting from my basement was not ideal. It's hopefully something I never have to do again. Um, and hopefully we uh, we can get back to some regular regular things. And I know for, for the staff and everybody involved over there at the offices, hopefully this isn't something that we ever have to experience again. But it's behind us now, and I I think hopefully we can hope for greener pastures here next season. Yeah, let's hope, man. Get get uh, life back to, to more normalcy uh, than what we had this year. Uh, Merry Christmas to everybody out there listening. We, you know, love the Husker Nation so much and, and our fans and everybody that supports the program and hope everybody ends 2020 on a positive note and we can get this vaccine going or whatever and, and uh, get life back to much more uh, the way we expect it to be around here. Matt, appreciate it, man. Merry Christmas to you and Allie and, and, the, and the young man, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon, buddy. Thanks. You got it. You too. Nebraska basketball having a press conference today. Austin, of course, getting ready for Big Ten play beginning tomorrow. Supposed to start today, but Wisconsin-Louisville playing this weekend pushed this game back a day. Once again, Wisconsin, one of Nebraska's stylistic opposites on the football field, we see it. And in basketball, in terms of player retainment as well, the Badgers bring back six guys that played extensive minutes last year, including all five starters. Coach Fred Hoiberg was asked first about Wisconsin bringing back all that experience. Yeah, it, it's uh, they've done a phenomenal job. Greg Gard is, is, has been uh, outstanding with what he's done as far as putting that roster together. Uh, what they did last year, uh, winning the league and bringing uh, pretty much everybody back from that team, uh, it's it's very difficult to prepare for. They know each other so well. They play off each other so well, and they make the right plays. Uh, they have great continuity with what they're doing. Uh, they know where we, where each other is at all times. You can look at them. Their turnover numbers are extremely low. They're a high assist team. They, uh, uh, you know, they've always got you uh, going in, in a million different directions. So. 
it's uh, it's it's a tough team to defend. They're shooting 44 percent from the three point line as a team, which is just absolutely absurd. And uh, you know, every single one of those guys that's on the floor can make a shot, and make a play. Uh, they put you in a very difficult situation with that starting lineup with Potter and Reavers at the four or five spot, and both those guys are as good as any on their roster at shooting the ball and two of the better bigs in the paint. So they they put you in a very difficult spot with uh, with the experience uh, and then just with that much skill that they have all over the floor. You joked with Michael Brunson the first hour about having to watch Brad Davison take another charge. He's been around for like 16 years. I'm tired of that yeah. guy. Yeah, they're smart. They can shoot. Um, they don't turn the ball over, and they flop a ton. And, I, and, I, and I'm really not <laughs> looking forward program. to watching those dudes fall on their back 14 times um, tomorrow. So is what it is. They are who they are, and they're going to make shots, and they're going to make it really difficult uh, to defend and get the ball in the paint. They're, they're a really good team. Potter really changed the complexion of that team yes, once he got eligible about up. halfway through last year. Well, opening conference play with the Badgers. Nebraska's faced a few high major teams, Georgia Tech and Creighton. They're going to see teams like that night in, night out here as the grind of Big Ten play begins. Coach Hoiberg was asked if he thinks his team's ready for conference play. Well, I yeah, I, I think we're ready. I, I, I did, uh, you know, I liked our spirit the next morning. We came back for a, a tough practice after the Doan game. We had two really good hard days, and we had to take yesterday off by rule, which is unfortunate. You'd like to go consecutive days into the game, but just based on our schedule, that was really the only way that we could do it. Uh, had a good, sharp, uh, shorter practice today, and, and we'll get another opportunity with a film session uh, before we get on the bus, a film session tonight before we have our, our dinner, and then get a chance to walk through again at the arena uh, tomorrow so it should give us plenty of time to prepare uh, but again Wisconsin puts you in so many difficult spots they're, they're random they're, they're running more motion this year after their initial play breaks down uh, they screen you they do an unbelievable job they're physical uh, they do so many things that, that make it difficult on the defense but you know I think our guys are in a good place and, and hopefully we go out and, and play well and give ourselves a chance. Ready or not, here it comes. You've you've had your break since Doan. You've played your couple of opponents of a high major caliber. Conference plays here. I mean, it all counts, but this is where we really find out what Nebraska's made of. And one guy that I think will be ready, Ben, Delano Banton, as a freshman, had a triple-double at the Cole Center in Madison when he played for Western Kentucky. Maybe he's an X-factor in this game tomorrow. Yeah, he needs to be. And, you know, Nebraska just has a team – I guess the thing that I'm most nervous about is what happens when Wisconsin goes on their first flurry and not just Wisconsin, but any team in the Big Ten. We did not see the Huskers handle that well last year. We did not see them handle that well against Creighton or even Georgia Tech. They have to find a way to be able to take those punches and throw a punch back. And and I guess that's what has me most nervous for for uh, the game tomorrow and throughout this conference season. So, um, you know, we'll kind of see how this goes and um, you know, see what happens because it's coming. Wisconsin's going to make shots. They're going to, you know, go on a run. But what does Nebraska do in response to that is going to be a big key tomorrow. And, and we will find out sooner rather than later if they are ready. Going to wrap up tonight, handing out some weekend winners. Austin, who are you handing an award to? 
I'll give it to DeForest Buckner. He gets injured in practice on Thursday, an ankle sprain. He goes home, does everything he can to play through it. He does play limited snaps, only, I think, 20, 22 snaps in the game, but has four tackles. Three of them are for loss and four more quarterback hits. Ridiculous Pro Bowl snub, but he definitely helped swing the Colts game against the Texans. Kind of a season-long award over the weekend, but got to give some love to Defoe. Yeah, of course, uh, Austin hitting the Colts a winner. My winner, I guess their winner is technically they're a pair. Tiger and Charlie Woods. How awesome was it watching Charlie Woods acting just like his dad out there at the Sunday Reds? Absolutely awesome. Fantastic. Loved watching that. It was so much fun having those family members play golf with one another and just a really cool deal that they did there. My thanks to everybody involved with this one, Michael Brunts, Matt Davison, Adam Rittenberg. Thanks to Austin Norman for stepping in, co-hosting with me. My guy, Thanks to the guys in the back as well, Tim Kerr and Mick Steiner for all the hard work. My biggest thanks to all of you for listening. Husker Hoops tomorrow. We're back with you with a full sports nightly on Wednesday. Enjoy the game tomorrow. We'll talk to you again on Wednesday night. Have a good one.